Today, I'm going to be talking about God our Father and why that's important for us to understand as Christians and what that means when it comes to believing things or receiving things from God as our Father. So today I want to explain how we are children of God. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So what is this saying in 1 John 3, 1? It's saying that God loves us so much that he decided that we should be his children, that he calls us his children, that we are part of his family. And as his children, that means God is our father. Romans 8:15 it says, For did you not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we were adopted into the family of God, into the family of Christ through Christ Jesus when he died on the cross for us. And when we as Christians come to God and you know, accept him as our Lord and Savior, we're being adopted into the family. We're being adopted into the covenant with God. We are being adopted as his children. And that's how he sees us as his children. As any parent would look at, you know, any good parent would look at their children. They would lay down their life for their children. They sacrifice everything for their children because they love them so much. And that's how God is for us, is our father. You know, 2 Corinthians six eighteen, and it says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So it's important that we can view him as our father. And sometimes this can be a hard topic for some individuals because maybe in life you didn't have the best father or maybe you don't even know your father, you know, whatever the situations may be. But that's why it's so important that we go through the word of God and study what it means as God, as our father. Because sometimes we can take the things we've experienced in life and portray that onto God as our father. So if we had an abusive father, we might view God as abusive. Or if we had a non-existent father who had nothing to do with our life, we may view God in a similar way as some entity who's not interested in me, doesn't care about my life, doesn't care about what I'm doing or anything. And we've got to understand that that's not the type of father God is. He's not an abusive father. He's not one that's going to abandon you. He's not one that's going to you know, not care about your life or not care about who you are or anything like that because he is a good father. So I want to hit into, you know, a few things in what the Bible says about God as our father. The first thing is that he is a compassionate father and he is a good father. Psalm 68, five through six, it says he is the father of the fatherless. So if you have been in, in a situation where you feel like your father wasn't there for you, like he's abandoned you, you know, or he wasn't a good father at all, we can say, hey, maybe you do feel fatherless. We can take comfort to know that God is a father to the fatherless. He can fill that gap. He can fill that void. He can fill that need for love, acceptance, admiration, whatever it is that you felt that you have missed out because your earthly father was not around or you didn't know him or he wasn't a good one. We can find all the good things we need in a father in God because he is a father to the fatherless. A protector of widows 
is God and his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. You know, Psalms 103, 13, it says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So what's he explaining? He's saying that he's a compassionate father. He's a loving father. He's a good father. But we've got to make sure as children that we don't become rebellious, that we don't buck, that we don't, you know, try to go out and do our own things or, or turn resentful towards God or start hating God or not recognizing him as our father in our life. Because when we begin to live that way, we can't always have the same blessings. It says that and there the rebellious dwell in a parched land. So if they're rebellious, if we're rebellious children and we don't follow God's commands, we don't seek him, we don't try to live according to what he laid out to us in, in the Bible, then we're going we're gonna to be dwelling in a parched land. Things will, it'll be harder for us to go through things, not because God is like, oh, I hate you, you're horrible children, but because of the sin and the decisions we make that lead to that. You know, if you go and do something stupid, you're going to have the results of doing something stupid. You'll have the consequences of it. And that doesn't mean you can get mad, you know, get up mad at your dad. Like if your dad got, gets a car for you, you go and, and wreck the car and your dad's angry because you wrecked the car. You shouldn't be mad at him because he's like, well, why are you angry at me? It's like, well, you did something, you know, like you wrecked the car, like, like you did something wrong. And sometimes we can, we can mis, you know, misinterpret that or mess things up with what it means when we follow God and as our father. You know, Proverbs 14, 26, it says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. So when we put God first, when we have a reverential fear, a reverential honor of who God is, when we listen to his commands, when we obey his instructions, you know, not out of like the... Uh, dogmatic da, 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 thing, but because we love him, because we want to, because, hey, I'm his child. I want to be a good child. I want to be a good child of God. I want to make sure I live right. I want to make sure I do things pleasingly. I have a fear for God. I have a reverence of God. So I'm going to follow his word. I'm going to do my best to obey his commandments. It says when we have that heart attitude, to do that towards God, this is that he will become a place of refuge. He will be a safe place for us. He will protect us. He will guard us just like a real father does in life. You know, a real father who's a good father is going to protect his children. He'll fight to defend them. He's not going to let somebody come around and hurt them. You know, he's not going to let strangers in the household to ravage the home because he cares for his family. He's going to protect them. He's going to fight for them. You know, he's going to make sure that they can dwell in safety and that they can feel safe to grow, to develop, to become themselves and to enjoy life. So that's the same as God is our father. He's a father who takes care of his children. We can see this in Matthew 7. So Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks it will be opened. For what man is there among you who, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if his son asked for a fish, will give him a snake? So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
So what's he telling him? He's saying, look at just the natural examples. Like most parents want to give good things to their kids. You know, they feed their kids food. They don't, they don't go out and, and feed them, you know, cyanide or chlorine or something like that. You know, there's different things where you have that. And God, God said, look, if even if people in the world, like regular parents, take care of their children, give them good things, how much more, how much more does the Father in heaven, our Father, want to do good things for us? A lot of times we as Christians can get in this mindset that, you know, God doesn't want to do anything good for us, or we don't, we don't deserve these things, or, you know, I think he's just trying to punish everybody and and he's really strict and really mean and really angry or whatever. But that's not who God is. He says, if these, if parents, earthly parents give good gifts to their kids, how much more would God want to give you good things? And he tells us to ask, you know, he, the father who is, is in heaven will give good things to those who ask him. So if we come to God, we can ask him for things, you know, like me with my dad. He's helped me out with a lot of things just in the natural. If I need help with something or if, if I need, you know, I can go to him and ask him, hey, can, can you help me with whatever this situation is? And he'll come alongside and he'll help me, you know. He, he's the one who taught me how to drive. He'll come and he, he, he's the one who helped get the food or to, to give food to me. All kinds of stuff. Sometimes money, financial things. If I'm, if I'm having an issue or doing through something, you know, he'll come and he'll help me out if I need it. Why? Because he's a good father and he wants to do that. You know, his biggest thing he likes, the way he says, is he says he likes to save the day. You know, that's like his, he, he gets so much joy out of coming in and being like the hero in any situation that's going on in life, you know. So if I'm having an issue or something's really bothering me or whatever, if I go and talk to him about it, he, he likes to come in and fix it and be the hero of the situation. And that's just my earthly dad. So if you have God who feels much more about that, then we know that we can go to him about anything and he's going to come and help because he's our father in heaven. Another thing that's important about understanding a characteristic of fathers is that in Hebrews 12, 17, it says for it is it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline. So we need to understand as children of God, he will discipline us. He'll bring correction. He'll let us know, hey, you don't need to be doing this. This is wrong. You need to change course. You know, you can see all throughout the Bible examples of God calling for repentance, saying people change your ways, change living in sin, change this and come and live righteously, live morally, you know, live according to the word of God and what he's instructed us to do. And sometimes people will confuse and they'll call attacks of the enemy or hardship in life as discipline from God. That's not always, you know, that's not the case. Basically, to put it this way, anything God has redeemed you from, he will not use to discipline you. So he's redeemed us from sickness. He's redeemed us from depression. He's redeemed us from poverty. He's redeemed us from worry. All these types of things, he's not going to use that to discipline you. Now, sometimes we can make stupid decisions and be like, oh, I learned from that I'm never going to do that again. You know, if, if, as hopefully some people have some kind of common sense <laughs> is what you hope for, you know. Like, hey, if I, if, I, if I touch this open flame, it's going to burn my hand. I probably shouldn't do that anymore. 
And sometimes he'll bring people in your life to bring correction, whether it's your parents, mentors, friends, anyone around you to be to say, hey, something over here is not right. You need to change this. You shouldn't do this. And there's times when you can be reading the word of God in your alone time or in study time and something will come out on the on the page and you'll read that and you're like, oh, I need to I need to change that or oh I need to work on that because he'll bring conviction like the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will come and convict us of our sins. He'll convict us and say, hey, this is wrong. You need to change this or hey, don't do this. That's the discipline of the Lord. And sometimes when we do discipline or do things, we can be in rough spots. If you've been in a rough spot for a really, really long time, I would, you know, in, encourage you to reevaluate like what's going on in your life. Reevaluate yourself. Say, what am I doing? How am I behaving? What are some of the things that I need, need to change so that you don't stay in that same situation or that same area? Proverbs 13, 24, it says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So God will discipline his children because he loves them. And don't take this as like the abusive form of discipline because you know, some fathers have been abusive or different things. And people will take that and be like, oh, well, he's disciplining me. You know, he's going to he's going to really be abusive. He's really going to hurt me. That's not how he disciplines. You know, it's discipline, you know, because of love. It's discipline to, hey, we need to bring some correction here. And sometimes when we're in, you know, in, in discipline, it doesn't feel good. You know, the Bible even tells us that sometimes discipline uh, can can be a little little uh, it can hurt. But at the end, it, it brings righteousness like Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 9. It says, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of the spirit and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, when it's talking about he, it's talking about God. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. So that was a scripture I was talking about. In the moment when discipline comes, when correction comes, it, it can hurt because you see a part of yourself that's like, it, you're like, I didn't even know that was there. Or you see a part of yourself that may not be nice. It may not be pretty. It may be ugly. It may be terrible. And nobody likes to hear that they're wrong. Nobody likes to hear, you know, that they, they need to change or that what they're doing could be detrimental or harmful or hurtful, even if you're doing something and you feel like you feel like it's right or you feel like it's okay. And then the discipline and the correction comes. You know, a lot of times we want to butt heads. We want to be like, well, who are you to tell me this? Or I don't want to listen to this. And that's why the Bible speaks so important, so much about being humble, being humble to receive correction, being humble to do that. You know, the Bible says, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. So we need to make sure that we aren't leaving others. You know, we don't we don't try to do things ourselves, or we don't listen to correction and end up losing others astray. You know, Proverbs 12, 1, it says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's a pretty st <laughs> blunt statement to say, you know. It's basically saying, look, if you heed discipline, if you listen to correction, if you listen to individuals in your life who can speak into it in a positive way, you know, that can encourage you to become a better person, that encourage you to walk closer to God, that will encourage you to live a more righteous lifestyle, 
When you understand that, it's like, okay, I want this discipline because I have this discipline. I know that I can change, I can grow, I can become a better human being, I can become a better person. But if we ignore that, it's saying you're stupid. That's basically what that scripture said. He, he, who, does, he who hates reproof is stupid. In Proverbs 13, 1, it says, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So I want to encourage us today to make sure that we are wise children. I want you to repeat after me and say, I am a wise child. I will listen to God and I will heed his correction in my life. Because when we, we do that, we'll be able to grow and we'll become wise children. You know, Proverbs 10, 1, it says, a wise son makes a glad father. So if we are a wise child, that means it, it makes God happy as our father. It will make him glad. It brings joy to him to see his children listening. It brings joy to him to see his, his children, you know, getting the instruction, receiving the discipline and making the correct changes in their life that needs to be made. It brings joy. Proverbs 23, 4, it says, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. So again, I want to encourage you guys, you know, to, to make it a goal. Say, you know, I'm going to be a good child of God. I'm going to be a wise child of God. I will listen to correction. I will listen to, I will adhere to discipline, you know, and I will come to God as my father and understand and see him as that in my life. Again, I really hope this helped you guys today and you have a good day and God bless.